I know my brother is ready to just unleash. I can see the sword already in him. I can see his, his sh- he's already got it out of the sheath. He's ready <laughs> to, um, to seal it so that we can walk into the next. the anointing on this family right here and I want to I say what that is because the Lord showed me brother can you, got, can you and your family come up here Jonas right and your wife's name Renju did I say that correctly okay let me get some people to stand behind them and surround them I believe this is a word from the Lord And I'm so glad you came this morning because when I went up and and shook your hand, brother, I, I, I heard the words brotherly love. And so, you know, when you hear the word, when you hear something from the spirit of God, I have to go and figure out why are you saying this, Lord? What is it that you're telling me about this man and his family? He said brotherly love. And so the Lord then told me Philadelphia. So I went to the word. And the Lord said that the angel of the church of Philadelphia is standing behind you. And he's placing the mantle of the church of Philadelphia on your family, brother. Revelations 3, 7 through 13. The Lord says you're steadfast in faith. You keep God's word and you endure patiently. I'm going to read Revelations 3 because I, I believe the Lord is sending you into 2018. And he said there's a community in you. <laughs> there's a church in you, brother. I don't know if you preach or what. I don't know what God put in you, but there's a church in you. There's ascending going on right now. I'm shaking. Revelations 3. I just want to read this because the angel is placing this mantle upon you. The church in Philadelphia, and, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut. And who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power. I'm going to stop right there. The Lord, you have a humble fire in you. Because you're a man that recognizes that you have but little power. And yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. 
the one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of, of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God and the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven. And my own new name, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That's you, brother. Lord, I just thank you. Lord, I thank you that we can be a part of whatever this mantle is that you are laying upon my brother and my sister, Father. Upon Jonas and Rangu and their children, Lord, I thank you for their family. I thank you for this mantle, Lord. We send it forth. We call it down and we send it forth, Lord. We are here as witnesses to the angel of the church of Philadelphia laying this mantle upon this man's shoulders. Lord, I thank you for his spirit of brotherly love. I thank you for the community that God has called forth out of this man's heart, out of this man's heart. Amen. We don't know your history, but we partner with the destiny that God has laid upon your life. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus. We seal it. We surround this sending as family, as the family of God. And we declare, we decree that community that you have called this family to. It is already in you, brother. Prayer and supplication, the answer to your prayers are already within you. The answer to your wife's prayers are already within her. Lord, I thank you for the prayer warrior. I thank you for the prayer warrior, God. That she has had her sword out, Father. She has slayed things with her sword. On behalf of her husband, God. On behalf of your kingdom, Father. On behalf of her legacy, Father. She has slayed giants. And so, Lord, I I thank you. I, I declare women coming around her, surrounding her, Lord. She is being promoted, Father. And you are bringing a unit of women that would draw their swords and surround her and take her place, Lord, so that she can be promoted and edified and uplifted into a greater place of authority. We release it, God. We yield back to the Holy Spirit yield back and we just thank you for the solidification and the Lord is saying it's time it is time you have done mighty things for my for my name but it is time I am calling you out to disciple nations
this morning, I've, I just saw God just reviewing your life, just looking as like he was watching film. It's like he was watching every single moment of your life. heard the spirit of the Lord say that the father, the father is going to step in and bring a fatherly order into your life. Basileia is kingdom authority. He's bringing kingdom authority into your life and you're going to be able to step into new levels of order and authority in your life this next year. We don't care what it looks like. I don't, I don't, it, this isn't a word that has to prove itself out by what it looks like. Lord, I just thank you for the kingdom authority and the order that's being established in his heart and his mind, Father. He's reviewing every moment of your life and he's stepping in as your father and putting his hand upon your shoulder and he's going to teach you how to be a vessel of kingdom authority and order so that everywhere you go, everywhere you speak, you displace disorder and you bring order. And so, Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for every symptom of that kingdom authority and order that's going to manifest itself in his life, God. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you for the times in his life that the Lord is watching over right now. There are moments in your life that he's, he has his eyes fixated on right now concerning bringing order into your life this year. And so, Lord, I thank you that he is addressing and he is watching over and he is speaking to those moments in your life, whatever those are that concern this order that he's about to bring upon you. And so, Lord, I just thank you, Father. We just surround him. We have come into agreement with that kingdom order and that authority, God. Lord, I thank you that when he speaks, there's thunder and lightning in his words and in his things that he speaks, Father. And so, Lord, I just thank you for a perfect storm of prophecy that concerns his family and concerns this family in this region, Father. That you have the ability to change environments and climates and atmospheres with your words. We just thank you in Jesus' name. everything that was said this morning, you know, from from the dream that Apostle Tanya released. I didn't even know about that. I didn't even hear about it until you guys did. But she talked about the lion that was her pet that was trying to eat her, or she thought it was going to eat her. But I just, I just started thinking that we have a decision because as we go forward into this next year, we're going to be consumed by something. You will be consumed by something or another. And we get to choose what, we, what we're consumed by. You can make that decision. I'm going to be consumed by the lion of the tribe of Judah this next year. Or you can just not even think about it, be indecisive, and just be consumed by whatever would consume you. 
And so in 1 Peter 5, 8, there's the enemy who roars like a lion. You can be consumed by that fake thing. Or you can be consumed by the lion of the tribe of Judah. But you have to be willing. You have to, you're going to be consumed by something. And so the enemy wants to deceive us into feeling fearful of being consumed by the Lord. Well, what is that going to mean? And what am I going to have to do? Well, what is it going to mean? And what are we going to have to do if you're consumed by something else? You know, this is, uh, (laughs) this year is going to be crazy because God is going to release things this year through the family of God. You know that this is the year of Ruth. This is the year of the in-law. <laughs> you know that when, uh, I think it was Tyler, he was saying that in, in kingship, a Lord decrees a thing and it becomes law. A decree is a law issued by a head of state. And so God, as the head of state, issued a decree called Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the perfect law of liberty. So you have our king, the king of kings is issuing a law into the earth called Jesus Christ, the perfect law of liberty. This is the year of Ruth, a Moabite Gentile woman who was basically grafted into royal ancestry of God. The year of the in-law, sounds weird, right? Does that sound weird to anybody? I had the honor of officiating a wedding yesterday and it was the Ubeda family. The Ubeda family got welded together with another family. And it was funny, I didn't even I didn't really think about it till now, but they were taking pictures at the end. All the whole family was taking pictures and I was standing in the back and I was talking with Jennifer, my sister over here, and I said, Aren't you supposed to be up there? And she said, I'm just the sister of But it's crazy because from a kingdom perspective, you could have all that going on. You could have the whole entire family on one side of the room getting photographed. And God says, it's all about the sister-in-law. (laughs) If this doesn't make sense, it'll make sense. It'll make sense. But we're all in-laws. We, <laughs> we're all in-laws because as Gentiles, we were grafted in through the perfect law of liberty. Only by way of Jesus Christ were we able to become a part of the family, a part of the royal ancestry. And so God is saying this is the year of Ruth. It's the year of the in-law. And if I don't make any sense at all, my wife will come up here and she'll make perfect sense of everything. (laughs) But I believe this is something simple but so powerful that we need to understand as we step over a threshold from one season to the next. And we'll be doing that tonight in praise and worship. 
But when you look at Ruth, according to the Hebraic calendar, it says this is the year of Ruth. When you look at Ruth, she was a Moabite woman. She was the great-grandmother of David. Prior to marriage, prior to covenant, she was not connected or related to the royal lineage of Jesus Christ, our Savior, whatsoever. But through covenant, she became a part of that royal lineage. <laughs> so Ruth, when you, when you look at her name, Ruth, it speaks of camaraderie and companionship. Or being drunk and being satisfied is what her name means. <laughs> so we can all be excited because basically in the year of Ruth, we're talking about camaraderie and companionship and drunkenness and being satisfied. William talked about warring and fighting and how are we going to win? It's a greater fight, but how are we going to elevate ourselves to be greater warriors through camaraderie and companionship? Through being an in-law and recognizing the authority that we have as an in-law. Ruth also speaks to the to the aspect in the kingdom principle of alliance because it was through her covenant with Boaz that there was an alliance that the Israelites were able to sur survive the things that they were confronted with at the time that this covenant occurred. So we have to be careful about our alliances and who we, who we seek companionship and camaraderie with. So just a little bit of the, of the lineage, Ruth married Boaz. They had a son named Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of David. And so you have this Gentile woman who was interjected right into the royal lineage, the royal ancestry, the lineage that's so long, it's such a long vine, it never stops. And she was intertwined into this ancestry through her covenant with Boaz, and she became the great-grandmother of David. And so what the Lord wants to say to us this morning is that through companionship and camaraderie and through the family of God, you basically can have the capacity to achieve legacy and eternity and eternal things through Jesus Christ. It is only by way of the family of God that we can overcome death. By family. We can no longer, if we're in a place where we say, oh, well, Rowan's cool. He comes to church. I see him every Sunday. But I don't concern myself with his life. Because only through camaraderie and companionship can we achieve eternal things. It's the year of the in-law, the Gentile church that was grafted into the church. It is only through companionship that we will overcome and get to the top of mountain and see what we need to see for 2018. No longer can the body of Christ, one member be saying, I have no need of another member. We have been actively in this last year seeking out covenant alliance 
in companionship and camaraderie with other members of the body of Christ and Flagstaff because the Lord has prepared us for this. How long have we been talking about family? 2018 will be a year about family. And so let's turn to Romans 11. such large large magnitude that will confront you in 2018. They're going to confront your marriage. They're going to confront our friendship. They're going to confront this body in 2018. Things that are so huge, we've woken up sleeping giants in this region. But the thing that the doesn't the thing that the, the enemy doesn't realize is that the Lord has said, This is the year of Ruth in the in-law, and I have grafted you in to an eternal lineage in a royal family with an older brother named Jesus Christ. And through that family dynamic, you will overcome anything that comes against you. Romans 11, the remnant of Israel. Verse 17, or actually, let's go verse 11. Romans 11, 11. Gentiles grafted in. So I asked, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. (laughs) I love preaching with my wife. their trespass means riches for the world and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? Basically, what's being said here is let's say let's say you have an older brother and your older brother does the family wrong and so they cut him out of the inheritance and so then you become the first heir to that inheritance basically what the scripture is saying is you can't judge that brother for what happened because he is the older brother so it's that much easier for him to be restored back into the family and have just as much right to that inheritance talking about judgment. We as Gentiles cannot judge the Jews because by their trespass, we were allowed to be grafted in. We cannot judge them for that because they are God's chosen people. We're God's chosen people. And so just that much easier, they can be grafted in. Now I'm speaking to you Gentiles in as much then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles to magnify my ministry in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous. 
you know, we're going we're gonna to engage in such a dynamic of family that it will provoke people to jealousy. They will say, I want to know what's going on in that family. They may, may not even recognize it's the family of God, but they're going to recognize family. You know what? I want hardcore gang members to be like, you know what? I thought this was real. I thought what I engaged in, what I signed up for was the hardest, most dedicated, most loyal group of people that I could find. I thought this was real, but I want what you guys have. They got standards. They got rank. They got, they got soldiers. They got leaders and generals. They got people who are willing to die, or so they think. They set their minds, I'm willing to die for this. There's a lot of fake ones out there that, you know, whatever, but come on. That's a counterfeit for the true family. (laughs) Where was I at? Thus save some of them. For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. Verse 17, but if some of the branches were broken off and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. Come on. That's what you talked about. But you stand fast through faith, Jonas. Come on. Philadelphia. So do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note that the kindness and the severity of God, severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. How important is belief and unbelief? That's the basis of you being grafted into a family or grafted out. And even if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in, for God has the power to graft them in again. You know that nobody's ever beyond God's reach. Somebody could look so cut off from a relationship with God, and he can just as easily graft them right back in by their belief. For if you are cut from from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? And so I read that because as we were grafted in, we were grafted into a royal family and royal lineage of God, just like Ruth was grafted into the royal lineage by covenant. And so what God wants to release this morning is that he is putting us on notice. He's putting the enemy on notice, but he's letting us know, his sons and daughters know, that it is through family that you will conquer everything that I have allowed to come against you in 2018. But he's equipping us to overcome every single challenge, every single giant through camaraderie and companionship. 
We could pack it up and go home if we have our own strategy of how to, how to kill giants and overcome and get to the things that God has promised over our life if we think it will happen outside of family. Amen? If we have objectives and destinies and promises that God has laid before you, if we think we will achieve those things with a strategy that doesn't include family, you're severely mistaken, sorely mistaken. Pack it up. Pack it up. If your idea of of overcoming is not within the context of kingdom family, pack it up. The the Lord is just making it, he's making it that simple because through family, Ruth was put into a family and became a great-grandmother to David. Listen, it's through family. It's through the family dynamic that you will be a matriarch of something that God wants to birth eternally into this earth. Linda, he will make you a matriarch and he will bring things through you as a vessel into the earth. Things that have the power to open and nothing can shut and shut and nothing can open. How do we, how do you win a a daily battle? When you're confronted by the enemy daily, you don't take it on a daily battlefield. You take it on a generational battlefield. And you say, I was put on this earth, grafted into an eternal family to birth eternal things into the next generation. And you're trying to come at me daily. Because the family of God doesn't operate on a daily basis. We are the family of God on a daily basis, but the, the place that we fight our war is on a generational one. And it starts with covenant. If you think you're going to have family without covenant, you're sorely mistaken. <laughs> Oh, we got to get our minds right. We got to get our minds right. If you think you're going to do it without family, wrong. If you think you're going to do family without covenant, wrong. If you think you're going to do family without covenant, without Jesus Christ, who's the perfect law of liberty, wrong. It's the year of the in-law. The Lord has decreed, it's the year of my in-laws. My family that I grafted in through Jesus Christ, through covenant, we became his in-laws. And he has declared it over the whole earth. And trust me, the enemy knows. He heard the Lord decree, this is the year of my family. You can come against them daily, but they have things to birth into the next generation. Come on. Are we on the same page? Come on. I'm, I'm serious. Raise your hand. Are, are we simple but powerful, right? I don't care what comes against me. My battlefield needs to be not with the thing that comes against me every day, but I need to stay fierce to stay in companionship with one another.
I don't care. It's like when I dealt with pornography, the battle that the enemy wanted me to think was that I had to battle to overcome what he was confronting me with. When I just needed to realize who my father was. And I had a vision one day when God showed me that I was standing there with a a father figure with his arm around me. And I thought it was God. And I looked up and I was looking at God. So I said, who is this trying to father me? And it was the enemy saying, I'll be your father. But I'll tell you what, that thing snapped off of my life when I looked up and he said, I'm your father. It's family. I wasn't trying to break the grip of the enemy. I just needed to look up and see who my father was. Come on, there is nothing that we can't overcome with just what we have in this room right now. What are you battling against that the enemy has told you it is impossible for you to overcome this? All you need is companionship with the person sitting next to you. Come on. Is the enemy telling you there's something in your marriage you can't overcome? That is the dumbest. That is the dumbest. I'm talking kingdom here. I'm not minimizing the hardship and the challenges, but I'm talking kingdom. That is the very dumbest thing he can accuse you of or try to lie to you about because the answer to his confrontation and his assault on you is the very covenant that you're in. I'm preaching to myself with that. You know what? When you get in a fight, when you get in a fight, if somebody attacks you, don't back up, go forward. If we're getting confronted, I'm going to lean into my wife. If we're having a disagreement, I'm going to press into my wife. The enemy don't want that. He wants to bring me a lie and cause me to run from the mouth of God. That lion of the tribe of Judah. Can you guys feel, can you feel the, just the authority that's in the atmosphere right now? The enemy is so stupid. He prances around like a lion, seeking whom he can devour. He's a counterfeit. He's a fake. He's trying to present himself like an image of a lion. When God says, I am the lion of the tribe of Judah, and when the enemy does that, he wants us to be scared of who God is and what he wants to do. He wants to present a false image that we may have a hard time distinguishing between what's God and what's the enemy. So he presents himself like a lion. So that after he confronts you, you turn around and you see the real thing and you don't know if it's trying to eat you or not. So which one's going to consume you? The one like a lion? Are you going to let him devour you? Or are you going to just say, I'm going to just jump right in the mouth of the lion of the tribe of Judah and I'm going to be consumed by my king, the true king.
know, I don't even know what to say. I feel like there are so many things that have been over this region and speaking in this region and taking residence in this region and sleeping in this region and, and speaking and declaring in this region like they own it. And this, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you as an apostolic authority, as, as being under the anointing of the Spirit of God right now, that the time for that is up. Because that, my fight isn't to confront that thing or be busied with that thing, but to press into my family. Come on, bro. That's why the Lord anointed you in that spirit and that mantle of brotherly love. It's about brotherly love, not confronting the enemy. We confront the enemy by leaning into brotherly love. You are, you are like a nuclear weapon in the kingdom of God. I don't know why you're in Flagstaff, but the, the enemy is scared of you two. It's like William said, he, we, we're dangerous. And sometimes we don't realize how dangerous we are. We don't connect with how dangerous and how powerful and how anointed we are because we're fighting against something that we, we're leaning into the wrong thing. But all God had to say is this is the year of Ruth. And he got the enemy just running scared if we get it. That's why the enemy wants to prowl around and, and keep us from this level of understanding because it's over. I don't, come on, who else is fired up about this? I'm tired. I am tired of not being able to overcome. But little did I know that the key to my overcoming and the doors being open and can never be shut and things being shut and can never be open is within covenant, is within being an in-law, is within companionship and camaraderie, and in that we can be drunk and we can be satisfied. The best weapon you have, Yolanda, against the enemy's lies and what he tries to do is sitting right next to you. So I'm just going to take it, I'm just going to plant one notch past. It's easy to use examples when you're talking about covenant, right? He's like, when we're in the midst of a fight, we have to lean into one another, right? So then you go home and you'd be like, all right, how can I implement this word at home? Yes, do that. But what the enemy doesn't want us to figure out is that concept here because the year of Ruth means the in-law it's pulling out that scripture in the gospel when Jesus said leave them out there you're my family now what happens when a company of people stop being a company of people and attending church on Sunday morning but they actually become a family where we're able to lean into one another where we're able to say leave that out there you're my family now the revelation about the father-in-law 
I know I've released this before, but as you're talking about in-laws, I had an encounter with the Lord where he said, what if you accepted me as the father-in-law? I know, I know, sounds crazy, right? But what he showed me was when I was dancing with his son on my wedding day, I get to enter in this covenant relationship with a father watching the only thing he needs out of me is that I love his son. And I get to be adopted into the family with him not knowing any of my past. When it says, as far as from east to the west, that's why, because he literally don't know you. Because when you get married to his son, all he sees is a union, and all he sees is that the son loves his wife. The son loves his wife. As a father-in-law, as a king, We've got, we've got concepts in our head that are messing with us about in-laws. Whatever you're bringing into the family of what you think an in-law is, you bring that into here, and then we go and manifest those lies on one another because ultimately we're in-laws. Because I didn't grow up with you, right? I, I, didn't, I wasn't born in the same home. So technically this relationship is like an in-law family. We had covenant, we got together, we got married, and yet we bring in those lies of what in-law means to one another. The enemy does not want us to figure out that if it's the year of the in-law because we're gonna smash what covenant actually means with one another, and that is where you break off the enemy that's coming at you. Because I could come over here and I can fight on my own, right? Or I can flow in an anointing that just opens up heaven that makes my path easier. Okay? There's an anointing. It's not even about, well, how are we going to operate daily? Is that part of it? Absolutely. We have to be in relationship. But there's a covenant anointing that if I'm at Walmart and he's at home, Distance doesn't matter because I'm operating in an anointing of covenant. Does that make sense? There's a flow that comes. So when he says lean into it, it's us not running from the anointing that flows when you're in relationship. For example, you guys know Apostle Ken Malone. He has 35 to 40 sons and daughters. We are all in different states. I don't talk to Ken every day. But he calls on me as a daughter and I have all the authority to break off what's in his life. And it happens immediately. He doesn't call people. He calls on his sons and daughters for a reason because there's an anointing that's operating because there's a covenant relationship. Is that making sense? When there's a covenant relationship, there's an anointing that begins to flow so that when you said Yolanda's greatest weapon is sitting right next to her, Because when she's operating in an anointing flow, she gets to tap into the river that they have. I don't have. It says many waters, not just one water, many waters flow. And I get to tap into their source that I don't have. Ruth on her own didn't have a source without Boaz. 
So I get to tap into their flow and it's an about an anointing that's flowing to say we're in relationship that then breaks off what the enemy is trying to do because I understand covenant. Because the whole gospel was, the whole gospel is founded on covenant if Ruth is the great grandmother. Because without Boaz as the redeemer and bringing her in and grafting her in, there would be no Jesus. So the whole gospel is founded on this concept. And yet, sometimes when we get operating in church life, we forget because we think, oh, well, my blood family, and I'm gonna take this word, and then I'm gonna take it home, and then we compartmentalize, and then I got home, and then I got church. And now all of a sudden, this becomes work. This becomes ministry. And then my life and my, oh, well, that's generational. Awesome, yeah, I've got five kids. But guess what? Your kids are my generation. What if I operated that my life and what is coming at me is dependent on Raven's generation? That kind of companionship and camaraderie, then you don't have what we've been seeing for years and years and years and years. It won't operate if we have that kind of mindset that what is happening today is going to depend Am I saying that right? What's going on today, it, Raven's destiny depends on what I do with today. Crystal's kids, what happens with their family depends on what I do with myself today. And all of a sudden you just snap out of selfishness. All of a sudden you snap out about what the enemy is coming at you because all of a sudden you've got a family to take care of. Any single person that has got a blood family understands this. When all of a sudden you've got family and you've got kids, you've got things you've got to take care of. But sometimes as a body of Christ, we don't operate that way. The whole gospel was founded on this concept of covenant. Then, then it goes a step further because that was generations before Jesus. Then Jesus comes along and says, you're my family now. And he continues that concept of grafting in as he's ministering in the temples because he knew generationally where he came from. So he was able, that why it was, that's why it was so easy for him to preach and say, just leave them knocking at the door. The, his own body that he was preaching to was like, but your mom is out there. Your mom. Your mom. Yes, and he goes, Get, leave her out there. This is my family now. Can you imagine what was being released during that sermon and what the body in the temple was operating in to have a mindset to be like, but Jesus, what are you, it's cold out there. Leave them. This is my concern now. What was operating and what was happening generationally when he began to release that kind of anointing? But he knew where he came from. The only way he was even standing there operating in the gifts was because out of the shoot of the, what is that in Isaiah? Out of the root, yeah, the root of Jesse. That the stump got cut down, but the root of Jesse, David, he understood where he came from, that it came out of covenant, and Ruth was part of his inheritance. And Ruth was a Moabite woman. Talk about an in-law situation. She followed Naomi, even though she wasn't even, she was like double not in-law. 
She didn't even need to be following Naomi around. And she said, wherever you go, I'll go. It's crazy. That's all I got. So what? The fight is over what's being birthed because it's a generational fight. In and of myself, my kids, my children were in me, but I need her to birth my children. Our children were in her destiny. They were in my destiny, but we couldn't birth them without covenant. And so when you talk about Raven, she was in your destiny, but you couldn't have birthed her without Dan and vice versa. And so what the enemy wants to do is he wants to come in looking like a lion, attacking family relationships. That's why the, that's why the church has struggled with this whole like pro-abortion thing. Because the enemy attacks and he says it's too hard to engage in family. And so then we'll engage in some type of relationship, but it's not covenant relationship. And then when it comes time to birthing something, we'll just decide, oh, no, it's about me and my body. That's so gross. It's, you know, you hear like... um, people will say like, oh, well, your, your church is clicky, right? I mean, I've heard that. Oh, you got, you know, they're clicky over there. Well, this is, we have to, we have to be able to think on a level that we have to be able to distinguish what looks like a lion and what really is a lion. Because when you talk about counterfeits, and this is the way the enemy works, he wants to present things that look like family, like gangs, like clicks. He wants to present those things so that when the lion, the true lion, the tribe of Judah really steps in and says, I want you to be so loyal to one another that you will lay your life down for people that I've called you to align with. And then people will go, oh, I know that. I've seen that before. That looks like a click. So it's like, well, maybe we look like a clique, but then my question would be to you, are you judging what we look like based off the real lion or the fake one? Because I tell you right now, I'll lay my life down for you two. No question. I'll lay my life down for a lot of people, but you two, no question, because God called me to you two. No question. I'm going to lay my life down for my wife. No question. Some other dude that I just met five minutes ago, it's not the same. So are we a clique? It's just like the blood gang. They call each other blood. What's up, blood? Because they're family. Right? Well, what if we started doing that? Are people going to accuse us of looking like a gang? Well, that's the counterfeit. <laughs> right, Matilda? start wearing red handkerchiefs out our back pocket. With a oh, like Kingdom Bears, they think they're a gang or something. <laughs> 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 
But that whole thing, that whole thing is the the like a lion seeking whom he can devour. Because why is he counterfeiting something? Because what he's counterfeiting has tremendous value. You don't counterfeit something that isn't worth anything. He counterfeited family, kingdom family, in the form of gangs because he knows that true kingdom family would be devastating to his throne. So, I don't know if we should worship or if we should, how we should activate. Let, let this settle into your spirit. I'm telling you right now, it's a word of the Lord that we will not overcome but through family. And not just nuclear family, not just my family, not just your family, but the family of God. Amen. I'm going to grab a hold of it and I'm going to I'm going to take that seed and I'm going to I'm going to push it deep down in my spirit so it begins to take root. And it's like my man William said over here, I want people to call me out. I don't remember how you said it, but basically call me out. God has put a little seed in each and every person's hand and if you leave and the enemy lies to you and you go, "Oh, forget that." That's a bunch of nonsense. Forget that seed and then you just toss it to the wind. We got to call each other out on that because it's that very thing where in the family of God, he can take one person out and can change the landscape. So that's where we need to really, it's, it sounds, it's easier said than done because I guarantee we'll leave and there will be the fake lion right there. And we will have this tendency to be willing to let him consume us rather than choosing. I'm going to let God consume me. I'm going to let this dynamic of family and this revelation of overcoming and family in 2018. I'm going to press into that. When you get attacked, you don't press out. You press in. Amen. So let's just put some, uh, we're going to put some worship music on. And you just get with the Lord and really acknowledge that. We have power and authority in being an in-law. When you say in-law, you're saying in Jesus. He's my father in Jesus. Only in Jesus is he my father. So he really is our father-in-law. Because only in Jesus could he be our father. Lupe is my sister in Jesus. She's my sister-in-law. That's what the word says. Just dive, just press into worship. Come on, press in. Nobody else is going to do it for you. We got to get our own minds right about family. We got to make our own decisions. Nobody's going to do it for you. Press in or press out. Press into the family of God or press out.
me.